0: Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. It was okay. Um, down the stretch, not so much without Chris out there, but um, before he went down, I thought the execution was was pretty good. Um, we only shot him. In a playoff game, we shot five free throws, and that—that's something that you know I got to look at and see why. So I felt like there was contact on both ends, but we only got there five times. And then when you can't get to the free throw line and you're missing shots, you're putting them in a
1: a good situation. Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns. Suns lose game two to the Nuggets, 97-87. They're down 0-2, headed back to Phoenix for game three on Friday. And yeah, I I think that's a good synopsis by Monty Williams. It was a pretty good offensive execution, even in a very physical game early. Mm -hmm. When Chris Paul left, it turned into what some people like to call hero ball. Didn't work out for the Suns. They didn't make it. Enough shots they didn 't uh, have enough ball movement or sharing of the basketball, and they lose and and, and let 's just get this out of the way. I, I thought last night part of the frustration was I thought it was a really strangely officiated game right mm-hmm. from the outset for both teams. Mm-hmm. Those two teams were beating the hell out of each other in oh, yeah. the first half, and there was no whistles blown. It yeah, was, well, when it was,
2: Jeff Green fell down and slid like four feet with the ball, and there was no travel call. No. You, you you knew that that you knew it was the wild west out there that that very very little was going to be called, and I, I'm actually fine with that as long as it's consistent. But 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 you were right, and I saw your observation that it it suddenly switched where where where. They tried to tighten up the officiating at some point in the game, and that'll drive players nuts. Yeah, uh, and and you know, five
1: five free throws for the Suns, twenty one for for the Nuggets. When you have. You know, players like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, sometimes the offense is going to bog down a little bit and you can take solace in the fact that those two guys are going to find their way to the line and maybe mm. right the ship a little bit and that just did not come to fruition. Kevin no. Durant had shot six free throws in two games of this series.
2: Yeah, well, listen, I, I, I think last night was kind of an anomaly. I think last night they were hoisting up. I mean, they shot 31 three-point shots last night. They over
1: overcorrected.
2: Kind of, yeah, overcorrected. And so I, so I think that, you know, you start doing that, all those things play a role in the official. Cheating. And and again, it's a, a, a lot of times fans misinterpret what I'm saying when I talk about Devin Booker who is who I who I adore as a basketball player, right? But but this has got to get out of his game and last night he was doing it again, running the length of, of the, court, uh, the court after fouls that were not even on him, but he, he just burns that hot. At one point in time, he, he spent an entire time out barking at referees and then one time he came at him and his son's employee got right in between him and the ref and just stood there like, nope, don't go any further, man. So they're clearly managing a guy that gets real real frustrated on the basketball court my point is this whether the refs stink which they do quite frequently whether they're competent whether they're consistent whether they're aggravating you whether they're putting you on the free throw line you got to Play through it, no matter what they're doing, you have to try your best to ignore it. And and I, I get it. Last night, it's hard to do that when these games mean that much. But I, I look at Devin Booker in post game settings, and he is so chill and so understated mm-hmm. and so in control. It's really a marked contrast to the way he performs. Well. It's it's a perfect way to put
1: it. Really, <laughs> you're, you're right. Um, because he's not always that even keeled on the court. He no, does, he does burn hot at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he burns hot when he's going well. He burns hot when it's not going well. Yep. Uh, here was Devin Booker after the game about the offensive flow and then the drop off from that flow. Uh,
0: a little bit of both. You know, you know, I always say I have to go back and, and look at it. Um, but yeah, we we had it flowing, you know, through the third quarter. You know, that that opposite change.
1: Yeah, and Devin Booker especially in that third quarter when he and Jokic were going Mano against Imano. <laughs> mm-hmm. At that point, <laughs> looked like we were going to get that superstar showdown yeah. in, in the fourth quarter the rest of the way, and and, it, and even the, the the broadcast on TNT. I mean, Greg Anthony was doing the color commentary. He's like, "Oh, this is getting good," mm-hmm. and it just completely the the offense just completely drove into a ditch. In fact, yeah. it was the lowest scoring fourth quarter of the entire season for the yeah. Suns. And it's uh, play against Imano.
2: Yeah, and and to Da's credit, he was much better than he was in Game One. Now it's a low bar to step over, but he was much better than Game One, so he did respond, and that's good. And he's gonna have to be he's gonna have to be part of the solution going forward. He's gonna have to to make up for whatever star power the Suns needed from Chris Paul. Um, yeah, I I was watching last night's game, and it was really it was really a bricklaying fest for most of that game. It was, and and, and defensive battles are good in football. I'm not a huge fan of them in basketball. Uh, but but at the same time, I, I, throughout experience, you come to realize that sometimes the best finishes of sporting events come from games that are really slogging along for most of the games. And I thought that was what, what was going to happen. Yeah. And the Chris Paul injury kind of unplugged that. It did and and it's a shame. It's a shame because I think had that injury not gone down, I think we'd be in a we'd be we'd be on top of a much different story this morning than we are.
1: Yeah, and, and look, let's face it. Let's, let's start at the top. When when you're not making Shots, and you have a player like Kevin Durant who can get a shot whenever he wants, and the shots are not falling. Your offense will bog down. You said it earlier in the show. You'd be willing to bet that Kevin Durant's not going to go ten of twenty-seven from the floor and two of twelve from three-point range. I think that's a safe bet. He's one of the most efficient scorers the game has ever seen, and last night was the opposite of that. And Kevin Durant was like, "Look, I, I, I got good shots."
3: Uh-huh. Heard the lips, just
4: so was that a bigger miss big back to what you were saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're going down for a couple of days to go Miami, but I believe it is.
1: Uh, Mike, Michael Malone, the head coach of the uh, Nuggets, gave credit to uh, Aaron Gordon for slowing down Durant.
4: I mean, he just got defensive player of the game. Um, two of 12 from the three-point line, only two free-throw attempts. You know, he was averaging nine in that first round against the Clippers from the foul line. Um, but I felt it wasn't just Aaron, but I thought Aaron was really locked in on that matchup, just trying to make it hard. Like, you know, you don't necessarily just, you know, shut down. He had 24 points still. But you want to make it as hard as possible for a guy like Kevin Durant, who's seven feet tall, has a hand, look, and create on the the bounce and raise up over you. And I felt Aaron's contests and his physicality um, really allowed him to defend him at a high level this evening.
1: Yeah, so that was part of it too mm. I, I think it's more to what you said um, It was it was a bricklaying contest Oh, it and was you can use, At the center of that study was Jamal Murray I went back and looked at all 15 of his attempts last night And he was 0 for 9 from three-point range A guy that could not miss in game one And early in the game, he was missing a lot of wide-open things. Oh, yeah and Missing them badly mm-hmm. Sometimes that's just the flow of the game It's frustrating to watch, especially when And I know the reaction to Kevin Durant's struggles and I'd be lying if I said I didn't have this thought in the moment, the emotional thought in the moment, because a lot of Suns fans have not been a fan of of the trade, um, and last night was a game that fit the description. This is why you go get Kevin Durant. When, you, when everything bogs no down, you've got a walking bucket on the court, and he went 10 for 27. Well, why the hell did they trade Bridges and Johnson for that? I'm with you. I'm in your camp. It's that that, that that's the anomaly more than yeah. the rule.
2: It's listen, and, and that's also short-sighted. It, yes. it, it truly is. But I will say this: if you are going to say that Kevin Durant in in the first really gigantic moment presented to him to validate why the Suns gave up so much to get him failed. I'd say you're absolutely right. Yes. There, there's there's no getting away from that point. Games like last night, fourth quarters like last night are exactly why you went out and got Kevin Durant. He did not get it done. He did not produce. Um, like Jamal Murray, he had a, a number of shots that seemed to be rattling in and then rolled right out. It was a very frustrating night for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think it'd be real foolhardy to close the door and, and pronounce this trade a failure. That would be that would be asinine oh, in my I,
1: opinion. I agree with that. You can yeah. score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. Just text TICKET to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting tomorrow during the 7 a.m., noon, and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets. That's TICKET to 620-620. Coming up next, when that trade went down, critics said, Woo, the Suns are top-heavy. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming to fruition in this series, no doubt. We'll get into the lack of contributions elsewhere next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns nuggets now.
4: It was like 6 or 30 on the tray, and I'm just going where we want to make shots. <laughs> I feel like we make those shots. A lot of the shots that we took tonight, we, we make those. Um, uh, just been hitting nothing today. Cameron Payne,
1: following the Suns' ten-point loss in Game Two to Denver last night, Payne played uh, a postseason-high 16 minutes and 42 seconds, mostly out of necessity with Chris Paul leaving. Went one for seven from the floor, zero oh for four from three-point range, uh, two points, four fouls, and was a minus 16. And that, mm. unfortunately, not to pin it all on Cameron Payne, but that is. Indicative of what the Phoenix Suns, big are getting from their non-Core 4 players. Last night, <laughs> three of 19 combined shooting from Josh Okogie, Bismack Biombo. Uh, Tory Craig, Cameron Payne, Damian Lee, and Ish Wainwright, and Jock Landell both played, I but play. did not shoot the basketball. But they are simply not getting enough from these guys.
2: No, they they simply aren't. And and again, there's not a lot to, it, to there to, to choose from, which is why this is going to be a very interesting 72 hours before Game Three because you're going to have to find a solution someplace, and and you don't have a lot of great options sitting there. And and now that that he benched Landry Shamit, we're getting back into this deal. Where guys that were big time uh, rotational players now are being benched, and now you're changing the identity, and now you're scrambling, and you don't know where to look. Somehow, some way, they've got to get this thing figured out. I, the sh- The shame of it is to me. I, I thought Cameron Payne and Damian Lee. I thought they played with really good energy last night. I really did. Mm-hmm. I think I think they brought a lot of juice to the floor. Um, but but you got to be able to make some shots, and it, especially if you you know Damian Lee had some open threes, you got to make some of those because that is what you're on this team happens to be. Now, if you want to put it in a broader context, everybody was missing shots last night. The, the, the percentages kind of bear that out. And and I don't know what was behind that. I don't know whether if it was the defense or if it was the pressure or if it was just sort of um, a different kind of vibe coming out of game one. But it, it, your bottom line is right. It, it's, they have got to they have got to find a way. I thought Jock Landale um, brought a lot of energy to the floor again last night. But again, you're talking about marginal basketball players. So it, it's it, to me, if it were me, I, I, I'm thinking that at some point in time, you've got to look at Terrence Ross because. You can't have guys on the floor who are afraid to shoot open jump shots. And, and we've seen that. And there's fear. There's fear of failure. There's, it, it's the fear of the moment. And, and those guys cannot be on the court in high leverage situations because they will run you right out of the series. So to me, there's got to be a role for Terrence Ross, um, and, and maybe and maybe you can find the balance between you know productivity and shots wasted and all that kind of stuff. And, and maybe the fact that the Suns are coming home will will embolden these bench players to uh, to feel a little more comfortable.
1: Yeah, um, I, your your point on Landale is correct individually, and he didn't uh, he didn't play a lot. Jock Landale played five minutes and twenty five seconds, and he he was all over the place. He was diving on the floor for loose balls. I loved the energy. But once again, Jock Landale's minutes, some of them coincided with non-Nikola Jokic minutes, which begs the question. Why is a center on the court when the Nuggets are going centerless? I think it's a fair question. Um, does, you know, yeah, that's does, a great does, call. does going small there and being proactive instead of reactive does that change the outlook a- at all? Your Terrence Ross point, I think, is an interesting one, and people that say well, you can't play Terrence Ross, he doesn't play any defense. What's worse, having a, a player out there who's all offense and no defense, or having three or four players out there that are all defense and no
2: offense? And at this afraid point. to shoot the ball, yeah. And, and afraid, no, you're right.
1: and, a, and afraid to shoot the ball. And once again, this was puzzling to me too. And I use the word auditioning. Monty Williams is looking for people that are basically auditioning for bench minutes right now. That's how desperate that situation has become. But in Game One against the Clippers, we saw it, and I think it was a big reason why the Suns lost that game to L.A. Is that the rotations were weird. Devin Booker would be on the floor with four bench players. We saw that again last night, not only with Booker, but with Durant and four bench players. It didn't work. It didn't work. The staggering didn't work, yeah. and I know that was affected with Chris Paul being out uh, for, for you know a quarter and a half of that game but in, in, there's a lot of head scratching things going on right now well, yeah. in, in terms of rotation and bench uh, minutes without a doubt this this the, the thing i'm sort of worried about as a fan you know in the moment is that it the simple <laughs> fact is they're just a year away that when you assemble a super team it's a two step process mm-hmm. getting the superstars and then you have to have the off season yeah. to fill out the rest of the roster with the role players and you, I thought maybe they had just enough talent at the top to make a run this year. They still might. yeah. But it, it's seeming more and more like they need this offseason now to get the right okay. shooters and role players around them.
2: It, yes. Everything you're saying sounds absolutely accurate in the context of an 0-2 deficit. But go back and think about how winnable that game was last night. Yes. And, and, and think about how different things should have been had they shot the ball well or had Chris Paul not gone down. Nobody would be talking about how, ah, see, you can't win with two superstars and no bench. That was a garbage plan to begin. You can't say that. This thing should be 1-1 going back to Phoenix, and everybody on the Suns know it. Now, what compounds the issue now is that that the issue to Chris Paul now has created um, a uh, an, an even bigger deficit in terms of quality players that you can lean on in the postseason, and and, uh-huh. and that is, I think, that darkens the mood even more. But but the Suns were right there in terms of validating everything they did so uh, yes it doesn't look great but it is not over yet if the suns can find a way to get game three to the finish line then game four is up for grabs and if you hold serve who knows what's going to happen this is where the Suns are this is where they're going to have to show their resoluteness their internal belief their sturdiness they can't they can't disintegrate in the face of adversity because that's not what champions do no and, and and this may be the case in the long run this might be very very true that that James Jones or whoever the GM is next year in this offseason you're going to have to supplement these two superstars with some some real smart complementary pieces they this is why teams don't do what the suns did at trade deadline because yes. it's too much of a crapshoot. Yes, and and this is an
1: experiment like we've never seen before. And Jared's point is absolutely correct, that it's going to take an off season to do it. But in the midst of a playoff series, when you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, nobody wants to hear that. They want those guys to carry you to, yeah. to a victory in every single game. And last night, the, the opportunity to do it, and, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. On uh, you know, Recently, the Phoenix Mercury and star Brittany Griner announced a partnership with uh, Bring Our Families Home, a campaign formed last year to help wrongful detainees and American hostages abroad. The group aims to shine the spotlight on the issues to raise awareness, beginning by unveiling a mural on the west side of Footprint Center in downtown Phoenix. Later this year, the Mercury's website will create a section educating fans about the issue, including news about the organization's effort fans can visit. Uh, BringOurFamiliesHome.org to learn more. Now, uh, B-O-F-H logo will also appear on the Mercury's home court, replacing the BG-42 mark that was present last season as Griner was held in Russian custody. Uh, character Counts presented by Parker & Sons. Cooling, plumbing, heating, and electrical. Your one-stop shop for total home comfort. Uh, you can always text your thoughts as well to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, a Suns Heavy edition, I'm sure, of the Rush Hour Reboot. The big stories of the day with Sarah Cazell's next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brought to you by Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams.
3: Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata. Mornings, happy Tuesday, or at least it's a Tuesday, uh, following the Game 2 loss for the Suns last night in Denver. I'm Sarah Cazell, taking you through the top stories of the day, as we do every single day at this time. Dan Bickley from Denver, hello. hello. Hola. Hola. Vince Murata, hello.
4: Hey, Top Heavy, bring me a temperillo and a sake and seltzer, seafood plate.
3: <laughs> and Jarrett Garland. You see him clutching at his groin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, make that into a joke, Jarrett. All right.
2: <laughs>
3: we will be talking groin. about that, uh, the, the groin clutching, in a moment. Uh, The Suns now in a two-game hole to the Denver Nuggets after a 97-87 loss last night in Denver with Dan Bickley on the ground. Kellen Olsen as well. 35 points for Devin Booker, 24 points for Kevin Durant, 39 points and 16 rebounds for Jokic. The Suns in the first half had an absolutely atrocious time shooting, stayed in the game, actually had a two-point lead at the half. And right when things were really starting to swing in the direction of the Suns and the third quarter. The momentum really felt like it was going their way. Chris Paul left the game with the left groin injury that Jarrett just referred to. Chris Paul is going to leave the floor right now. Looks like he's headed to the locker room.
0: We'll see if we can get an update on that. Into the game comes Cameron
3: Payne ball just started cooking he hit a couple shots in a row 432 left to go in the third all right that was uh bloom on the call last night now the sun's eight point lead in the third was whittled down to a one possession game by the end of the third quarter and it stayed that way in the fourth until about five minutes left acp holding left wing against Damian lee down to six to shoot he's going to try a three and he got it and Tavius caldwell pope has made all four of his threes tonight He's got 14 points. A clutch time shot there by Contavious Caldwell-Pope. We'll talk more about the Chris Paul injury in just a moment, but right now spirits are pretty low for Suns fans. You can see it on social media. You can see it in our mentions on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. The Suns down 0-2 in this series, not feeling terribly confident in this team, in this roster. Both of you already this morning have rejected the idea that this series is over. So, Dan Vince, what did you guys see last night that tells you This is not over yet. Don't give up hope.
2: Yeah, um, just basically the fact that um, the Suns found a formula offensively. They were moving the ball well. Everything seemed to be going their way prior to Chris Paul's injury. And if Kevin Durant has a typical Kevin Durant game, they win. Uh-huh. That, that that to me, gives me something to grasp onto. Absolutely. And, and look, I'm not going to
1: sit here and say the Nuggets are not a good team. They've proven they're a good team. Yeah, but top seed in the West. I don't look at the Denver Nuggets and see this. Unbeatable juggernaut that has that you know isn't going to be challenged. Uh, The Suns, Kevin Durant has an uh, an okay game. They win. The Suns play a decent game offensively. They win. Um, It would not shock me to see Friday night be an absolute Suns boat race. Quite honestly, yeah. If you follow like the, the 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 ebb and flow of playoff series and how things unfold. You've seen that example a lot of times. Um, now what Extreme that, swings. What that means for Game 4, we don't know. But, uh, yeah, th- I, I think the Suns are going to be in a much better mindset coming home.
3: Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, Devin Booker, we heard from him. Where Where is that cut, Devin Booker? Don't run away from me. Here he is on, on returning home uh, and, and facing the challenges of playoff basketball. I love it. Um, I,
0: mean, I just love playoff basketball. It's the first thing I said when I got in the locker room. You, you just have to love it embrace it um, and there's not many people that get the chance to do what we're doing playing the highest level of basketball so compete at the highest level don't forget to have fun with it um, and just get after it every time we get a chance
3: Okay, so I asked you guys, what did you see that tells you the series isn't over? I'm going to flip that on its head now. Again, we'll get to Chris Paul in a second. What did you see last night that says, oh, this series definitely is over if fill-in-the-blank trend continues? What could do the Suns in? And the most disturbing trend throughout
1: the entire postseason has been the lack of contribution from the non-Big Four. We saw it in uh, the first three games of the Clipper series from Torrey Craig. He was outstanding. He has absolutely disappeared from a production standpoint in the last four games of the playoffs. That is the most disturbing trend. Other than that, there's nothing that says this series is over to me.
2: Same. Exactly right. I, I think that the, the bench contributions have been. When you, when you made this, when people believed in this idea that you can win a championship with two top 10 NBA superstars and a very, very thin bench, you still need a little bit from the bench. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of talent there to, to extract um, this production from, but there are some good players there, and they've got to find the right combinations.
3: Yeah. Two points for Bismarck Biombo and uh, four rebounds. In 10 minutes played last night. And then the other two points for the bench, the other half of uh, scoring production from the bench last night came from campaign. He also had uh, one rebound and one block. All right, Chris Paul, groin injury. He left the game uh, with about five minutes left in the third quarter. Monty Williams said last night they aren't sure if he's going to get an MRI. We're
0: not quite sure yet. We'll see.
3: Chris Paul has been injured in all three postseason. Well, I mean that's just with the Suns, but he has an unfortunately deep history of injuries, particularly during the playoffs. Do the Suns have a chance of surviving this series without Chris Paul? Let's assume he's done. I know Vince, you said earlier in the show, it doesn't look like he'll be ready for Friday, just based on what you saw uh, in last night's game. Do they have a chance of surviving this series, of winning this series without Chris Paul? Um,
1: Obviously, it's diminished without Chris Paul, but uh-huh. <clears throat> They've, they've played basketball without Chris Paul before. It, it, it becomes a gigantic if. If somebody steps up. Cameron Payne has showed the ability to, to be a spark plug for this mm-hmm. team in big, high leverage playoff situations. It's been two years since he did it, but he has shown the ability. Um, so, you know, this, the, the, Chris Paul missing time does not equal a death knell for the Suns, in my opinion.
2: I am, I'm going to take it a step further. I, I If Monty Williams can find the right combination of guys who are not afraid of the moment, who who sees the opportunity, the Suns might actually find some some unexpected benefits from this um, in terms of the pace they play with Mm. um, and all that. Chris Paul, even though he got it rolling last night, he's he's been vulnerable. You you saw the way they attacked him from the very opening tip-off. He's getting swarmed by defensive players. (laughs) He's been slow to get the offensive started. And again, I want to back off this because I, I, I have incredible respect for Chris Paul. Sure. Okay, so so I want that table because it sounds like I'm really th- throwing smoke at this guy. <laughs> like you're saying, they'll be better without him. Right, exactly, yeah. but, but but they might be. That's yeah. the whole thing. They might be in in places. They might be, and and those places that they might be better might lead a path where Devin Booker and Kevin Durant can bring it home.
3: I think you can say that about Chris Paul while maintaining respect for him. I think that's a, that's just a, a fact about where he is in his career right now. Yeah, and,
1: and the list of injuries now in the playoffs, key players that have missed time or could miss time. Giannis, Embiid, Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, John Morant, Julius Randle, Chris Paul. I might be missing a couple of other ones. Yeah. Uh, well, that has been a storyline of the postseason so it, far. It,
3: no question. And by the way, uh, if you haven't read Dan Bickley's column, his newest column right now on ArizonaSports.com, a little a little taste of it for you. Anger, heartbreak, a Chris Paul injury. It wouldn't be a postseason in Phoenix without that tiresome trifecta. Find that on ArizonaSports.com after the Rush Hour reboot and after we talk to Tom Leander coming up next on Bickley and Marana Mornings. Before we do that, though, before we get to break, we've got to touch on the Arizona Cardinals. Two very interesting developments yesterday. Well, one probably more interesting than the other. The team has declined to pick up the fifth year option for Isaiah Simmons, their number eight overall pick from the 2019 draft. So unless something changes, unless an extension comes down, he will be a free agent after this upcoming season. And then DeAndre Hopkins said in an Instagram story yesterday, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Ignore everything you've seen on my social media the past few months. I'm an Arizona Cardinals.
0: I see everybody telling me to stay. Who said I want to go? Who said I wanted to
3: leave? I'm out here
0: working, baby.
3: Come on, man. All right, what surprised you guys more—the fact that Isaiah Simmons is not getting his 5th year option, or DeAndre Hopkins uh, kind of, uh, kind of gaslighting a little bit? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good term.
1: That's, that's kind hop- of what he's doing. It's the Hopkins side of it. Yeah, without same. a doubt, 100 percent of that of that ratio goes to
2: that. He's a. I find him to be a slippery dude. I really, really do. Well, slippery it's, is a good word. Yeah, I, it's like when that whole thing, the whole thing about him not practicing on Wednesdays came to a head, suddenly, oh, well, I've got this ankle condition where the joint and then. What? Okay, so I, I, I do think that in this situation, DeAndre Hopkins. You know he's paying for some of his own decisions, and if mm. and if he's if and I'm I'm glad that he's concerned about his legacy. I'm glad that he cares that much, and and I'm glad he understands. And, and you know who knows? M- maybe the results of everything that's gone down over the last couple of weeks or so, maybe it's made him feel a little better about where this thing is going in Arizona. But I highly doubt mm. that, to be honest with you. I, I just think that this is his way of of sort of getting the spotlight off of him now that these trade requests have kind of. Stalled out. Yeah. yeah,
3: a little CYA on yeah. his Instagram. Seems yeah, like that's a good yeah. way of
2: putting Certainly. it. Certainly.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, guys. Our rebooted Rush
1: Hour reboot every morning at the 7.30. Uh, coming up next, as Sarah mentioned, we'll continue to talk Suns Nuggets as this series shifts back to the desert. Tom Leander, Suns pre- and post-game host, joins us next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. Yeah, I mean, you got to believe that it's going to come our way here soon. We got to go home and take care of business. That's where we are right now. And um, we'd love to come up here and get a split. But we have some of the greatest fans in, in the world and uh, we need them when we get back there because we have a chance to even this thing up on our home court Monty, how would you like the execution?
1: Monty Williams, the head coach of the uh, Phoenix Suns following a Game 2 loss in Denver last night, headed back home for uh, Cinco de Mayo Friday night, Game 3. Some rest in between, but uh, lots of things to work on for the Suns here to talk about those things with us. Suns pre- and post-game host on Bally uh, Sports Arizona, the one and only Tom Leander, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Tom, how are you holding up?
4: Formerly Bally Sports Arizona. That's correct. Channel 3, Channel 5, come on. That's correct. The profile. <laughs>
1: I, uh, I I'm I'm lagging on uh, on that information. My bad, Tom. Um, That's right. The Suns uh, last night. I you know I know you've watched Suns basketball for a long time, as I have. have I I told Bick that that was one of the more frustrating games that I can remember watching for a number of different reasons. But frustration doesn't mean hopelessness, and I don't see the Suns as you know dead in this series at all. What were your takeaways from from game two?
4: No, I mean they improved in the areas they needed to improve on. They cut back on the offensive rebounds by Denver. They shut down the three-point line except for KCP. So, um, you know, I thought through three quarters they looked very good and then of course you have the Chris Paul injury and this is just not a team built to sustain an injury to one of their four superstars. So, um, that's going to be very problematic moving moving forward, but you know, I was I think I don't I don't really bitch about the reps a whole lot, but I did last night. I mean there were just so many calls that we needed desperately. I think the one where Jock Landale had a tip in and they said it was down on the floor and didn't give him the three point play opportunity. I mean things like little things like that when the Suns needed every break they could get, but I mean they were in the game until the very end. But when you see, you know, Michael Porter Junior and Jamal Murray struggling the way they did, I think they finished a combined like five of twenty two from the field and we still lose by 10 i mean that was a golden opportunity as everybody knows for the suns to split the first two games
2: all right monty williams has got two significant issues here he's got three days to figure this stuff out what do you think he might want to do about point guard and bench rotation
4: well, you got to go with campaign. That's my thought. I know he was, what, one for seven last night and hasn't looked real sharp, but you can see the energy that he puts on the floor for this team and just, they need confidence. I mean, that, and he's a guy that, you know, usually brings the confidence. And I think in a starting role with more minutes, um, that's going to be critical for the Suns. Defensively, I think they did everything they needed to do and they're going to need more than four points off their bench. I don't know how he creates that uh, other than giving minutes to Terrence Ross. I think a lot of people out there feel like, He should be a guy first off the bench. I mean, the Suns just don't have a sixth or seventh man. Every other team has one or two guys off the bench that they can count on every game. The Suns fans don't know who's going to be coming off the bench at all. And you look at the Denver Nuggets, they're just a well-oiled machine. They've been together all season. And they have three guys that come off the bench. I mean, we used to criticize Mike D'Antoni for having a rotation that tight. Mm -hmm. But they have three guys that know they're going to be playing 15 to 26 minutes. You have the two Browns and Jeff Green. So Monty's got to settle in on two or three significant bench guys that are going to be in there that know they're going to be on the floor. Um, and I think that's going to give them a better chance to win.
1: Tom Leander, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Morning. Staying on that subject, I use the word auditioning. And and, and I agree with everything you just said, but for Monty Williams, it can't be that easy to just identify those three players that are going to play those bench roles because this this has been a weakness for the Suns all season long. And you know you're in game 89, Tom, and you're still auditioning guys to take one of those roles in a crucial playoff series. That is not an enviable place to be in. I think they're in
4: game 16 with Kevin Durant. This is a, this has never happened as far as moving a superstar midseason, and then you know all the oddsmakers saying, "Oh, the Suns are NBA Finals favorites." Right when they get Kevin Durant, this this has never happened. You don't see. I mean, Vic would appreciate this. It's like uh, you know Bruce Springsteen bringing the East Street Band together, and all of a sudden expecting to hear Badlands and Born to Run. I mean, it doesn't happen. It takes time. So <laughs> uh-huh. you know, it's it, it's, it, it's going to be in my mind maybe until next season, but. Can magic happen? You know, can a spark hit? Can KD and Book just carry this team? Because that's what's going to have to happen.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And and when I take a look here um, in terms of uh, physicality around there and and what the Suns need to do in terms of crashing the boards and, and controlling the pace of the game, I, I've got a feeling that for all for as much as I respect Chris Paul, there might be some hidden benefits in, in in upping the tempo, in pushing the ball a little faster, in in changing that look up. Because to be honest with you, there are times when it, when it seems like Chris Paul is vulnerable out there, and and maybe they can turn this into a positive. Do you do you buy any of that?
4: Oh, 100%. You know, and that's why I was so excited to see Campaign come back and inject that pace uh, in the Suns' attack. I mean, they need that so badly. I mean, get look and Durant out on the on the wings, you know, because it's the same thing that I feel like you're seeing too, Bick, is that, you know, with Chris Paul out there, and he was playing really well before the injury, right before the injury, had a couple of really nice shots, got to his sweet spot. Um, but the Suns are no longer playing point five. It's more like... It's a lot of (laughs) ISO basketball and I just, you know, I miss that movement and curling around screens and uh, I just think they're so much easier to defend and Booker and KD are targets when they're pounding the ball.
1: Tom Leander, our uh, guest here, is the pre- and post-game host on the Suns television broadcast, and uh, Suns down 0-2. Uh, I did a little research, Tom. Uh, this is the se- this will be the 17th time that the Suns are down 0-2 in a playoff series. Um, They've only won one of the previous fifteen, and that was the infamous '93 first round uh, matchup against the Lakers, where they were down 0-2. Paul Westfall made the speech, and they they pulled out three straight to win that series. So it's not an enviable place to be in. But this isn't going to come down to speeches. I, I I think for me, this comes down to, you know, some some role players identifying how important they are, playing with more confidence, and you know, Bick and I were talking about it too. I don't think we're going to see another 10-for-27 game from Kevin Durant in a close game that's in the balance down the stretch. Do you?
4: No, I don't. I think you nailed it, too, Vince. I mean, confidence. Bench players have not been playing with confidence. You look at the Denver Nuggets three bench guys that I mentioned. I mean, they come in with starters' confidence. That's huge. I mean, those minutes, everybody's monitoring the plus minus of when Jokic is on the bench and when the Suns go to their bench. I mean, if we can identify, like I said, those two or three guys, and I think Terrence Ross really needs to be one of them. I think he's, you know, an above average defender at times. He's not, you know, obviously a lockdown defender, but, you know, he's certainly a guy. That you, you just need a shot need more offensive weapons out there to move that Denver defense around. And I think that you're gonna see it, you know, different Suns teams certainly on their home floor. The fans, as Monty had said in your soundbite leading into this segment, I mean they are gonna be absolutely huge. And they always are. And you know, Denver was propelled by them, especially in the fourth quarter. So, you know, Suns come back home and they can very well win the next two games. But again, to go all the way to a title right now to expect that you can hope for it, but, you know, let's see what happens in these next two games. But, you know, I feel pretty good about it. And like you said, with campaign out there, if he gets his 32, 35 minutes, uh, this is going to be a different looking team.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I personally think campaign is capable capable of this because he's one of those guys that, that his confidence will not be deterred deterred, and he will fire and shoot the ball. Um, when you look else, elsewhere, DeAndre Ayton, he had a good bounce back performance last night. How much more can the Suns get from him now? now to maybe to maybe kind of get back into the series
4: That's a good question, man. I thought we saw a very good version of Aiton last night. Is it great? No, but I think, you know, it's enough um, with Busy and Jock thrown in there, so um, you know, more of the, maybe mid-range, you know, we always want him to attack the basket as much as possible, get to the free-throw line. I mean, my goodness, the Suns, no free-throws in the first half, so, um, you know, I think if we get the D.A. that we saw last night, I mean, that's enough. It needs to come from other spots, and you know, Campaign, like you mentioned, he's that guy that brings the spirit and i thought that trade with brooklyn we lost some of our soul and some of our spirit um, and energy before the game during the game so i think that injection is going to make a huge difference
1: yep Uh, we shall see tom thanks so much for the time and the insight good to talk to you you, man All
4: right, guys. Thanks.
1: Appreciate Thank it. Tom Lee Anderson's pre- and post-game host on the uh, Sun's television broadcast joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Bick's still in Denver. He's got one more blast.
0: Fire! To, uh, well,
1: I hope it's not your last blast from Denver. Let's, let's oh, start Oh, yeah. There. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll give it to us next. It's pickley and Murata mornings on this Tuesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.